Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 259, I have the pleasure of chatting with your Enneagram coach, Beth McCord. With the Enneagram, you can see that we all struggle. We all need Jesus. It's just we need it in different ways. And he makes us more like him in different ways as well. And so it's called the body of Christ. We reflect Christ differently, but we need that difference because we shouldn't all be the head or the heart or the foot. We all need to bring our uniqueness to glorify him and bless each other. Beth McCord and her husband, Jeff, are the authors of the book, Becoming Us, using the Enneagram to create a thriving gospel-centered marriage. Maybe you already know everything about the Enneagram and you were just excited to see a episode on it. Maybe you've been curious, you've heard it here and there, you don't really know anything about it, or maybe you are like, no, this is bad. Why is Heather having an episode on the Enneagram? Well, I want you to know, that I love how Beth and her husband Jeff handle the topic in their book and Beth does such a great job in this episode pointing us back to the truth of who God is and who we are in Christ and helping us recognize our unique needs for Jesus. So in a marriage, you're bringing two different people and if we see the differences as a problem, it only divides us more. And so Beth is bringing understanding and grace to our relationships using the tool of the Enneagram. She talks about conflict and communication and our childhood wounds and how that impacts our marriages. She has a great marriage plan free tool that she talks about. Don't miss that in this episode. It's linked in the show notes. They also have a test. If you don't know what your type is, you could go to the show notes now and go take that test. What it does is it narrows it down to a couple, which is helpful. And then you can figure out which sounds most like you in a time when more and more division is happening in our marriages and our families in the world. My hope is that this conversation will bring a little more unity to our homes and to us as a body of believers so that we can move forward to the kingdom business at hand. All right. Before we get to that chat, I want to give a shout out to this month's sponsor, PrepDish. You have heard me talking about PrepDish a lot. If you haven't, it's a weekly subscription meal planning service. So every Friday, you're going to get a meal plan in your inbox for keto, gluten-free, or paleo diets, and you can adjust those to match what your family needs. And what I love is it's giving our family a little variety exposing my boys to newer things and it's removing the load and the burden off of me of coming up with what's for dinner. If you think, oh, Heather, my kids would never eat that food. Well, just give it a try. Allison, the chef who puts the meal plans together, is offering you one month for only $4. Try it out. See if it's a fit for your family. I've gotten messages from y'all saying that it has helped make dinner time so much easier. I love that. I love connecting you with resources that are helpful. Go check it out at prepdish.com forward slash DMA. All right, let's get to my chat with Beth. Here we go. Hey, Beth. Welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I am a gal that enjoys talking about the Enneagram kind of obsessively, and I know not everyone is the same way, but I've found a kinship in you since you are your Enneagram coach online, and you have been doing this for 
years and years and years. Thank you for being with us today and kind of enlightening us on how the Enneagram can help build our marriages to be gospel-centered and just all the things. So thank you for taking time today to be with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. So you have a new book coming out. Tell us the title. Yeah, so it's Becoming Us, Using the Enneagram to Create a Thriving Gospel-Centered Marriage. You know, I've had episodes on the Enneagram. Y'all can go back and listen to um, how Enneagram impacts our motherhood. I talked to Suzanne Stabile. If someone has never heard of it, or maybe they've been told by a pastor that it's bad, you have found a way to use this as a tool together with the Bible and Christ to help build relationships. So what would you say to that? What would you say to that person or someone who's not familiar or they're a little bit fearful of the Enneagram? Well, first and foremost, the the things that people are concerned about with the Enneagram is they'll talk about the origins of the Enneagram. Well, the Enneagram dates back, actually, the symbol thousands of years. And there's been different uh, traditions used, whether from Christians to other religions that have used it, just like lots of tools that we use. And then in the 1900s, it was picked up by two people that have different worldviews than what we would. And they brought it into more of kind of the, so to speak, more modern version of the Enneagram, but what they don't realize in, and they, you know, their practices and the way that they would see the world is very different. But what they don't realize is the way we use the Enneagram today looks nothing like or what the original guy put together. And so what we have today is very different. And not only is what we have today very different, what I do with the Enneagram is radically different than what most of the teachers are doing. Not in the sense of the, the behind the scenes or the mechanics of the Enneagram, but that we use it from a gospel-centered perspective. The biggest thing I want people to realize is the Enneagram is just a tool. The gospel is the transformation. And We know that to be true because the Enneagram is really, if you think about the Enneagram as being several things, we'll talk about three things. The Enneagram is like your internal GPS. It is going to let you know why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways so that you can steer your internal life back into the best path for how God designed you into being more like Christ. And so the Enneagram is going to let you know your current location, which is your main Enneagram type. And it's also going to show you your healthiest destination, which is being more like Christ, living as his beloved in freedom and liberation, which we already have. We also want to use the Enneagram as a rumble strip. But, you know, those things that are on the highway that if you're veering off course, they wake you up. Well, that is really what the Enneagram is so great about. Now, it can be hard at first because the Enneagram is a non-judgmental friend and tells you like it is. It tells you when you're doing really well and what it looks like. And when you're not not doing well. And so a lot of times what happens is we read about the not so well part and we really focus in on that. And then we start to beat ourselves up for it. But here's the mission statement for us at Your Enneagram Coach is that people use the Enneagram to have astonishing clarity into why they do what they do so that they can break free from self-condemnation, fear and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. So we don't want to use the Enneagram to beat ourselves up, to bash ourselves, to shame ourselves. That has been all taken care of by Christ. Now, 
we do want to notice that we're doing something. And that's where the rumble strip comes in to wake us up like, hey, you know, if you keep doing that or thinking that way or feeling that way, you're going to land that common pitfall that is not beneficial for you or others. So come back, surrender and depend on Christ, and he will direct your path. The last thing we want to see the Enneagram as is a flashlight. It illuminates your heart's condition, meaning it lets you know if you're aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the gospel. So if you're healthy or average or autopilot, or you're really struggling or unhealthy. And so it's going to clearly let you know that if you are surrendering and trusting and knowing your identity in Christ as his beloved, which means that you're not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but you're literally by faith following him, he works in and through you. And that manifests itself in being like Christ. But when we start to forget and kind of wander off, now our relationship status doesn't change. But if we begin to, in our minds, think, well, I think I need to take control of some of these things in my life. You know, God's got a lot of stuff, but I'm going to take control over here. That's when we start to live in our own strength and we're misaligned with the gospel. But then when we think that we're just an orphan all alone in life and we're not his beloved anymore, which isn't true if we're in Christ, but if we think that way, we'll act as if we're an orphan. And that's when we're out of alignment with the gospel and we're living in very unhealthy patterns. So the Enneagram is going to show you very specifically where you're at, not to shame you, not to bring heap condemnation. Again, Christ has taken care of all that on the cross and through the resurrection, but it's for us to come back to him to just like a sheep would sit in the lap of his shepherd to know I need you. And he will direct our paths. He will make our hearts aligned with the truth of the gospel once again. So those are the three ways that you can use the Enneagram. Fantastic. And what was that? Just a few minutes, five minutes. I feel like you've just taken something that's been misused or I feel like sometimes people will say, oh, that's such a two thing to do. Like they'll Mm -hmm. take a little bit of knowledge they have about the Enneagram and they'll use it to shame or condemn or put someone in a box. And what I've always loved is that there's so much movement that it's not a typical personality test where you are that set of numbers or letters or you're an otter or you're a (laughs) whatever the four were back when we were growing up. It's more about allowing yourself to see, like you said, where am I trusting in my own strength and not in Christ? Where am I resorting to unhealthy coping mechanisms? Where am I responding to my circumstances without the truth of the gospel? And I think if we use it that way and worry less about being in a box, I think it's so much more healthy. And I think also it it goes in the face of people who criticize the Enneagram and say, oh, that's so self-centered. Stop thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is talking about your number and yourself. It's like, no, I'm actually thinking about myself less if I'm embracing it this yes, way. I'm absolutely. thinking about Christ more and his work in me. Exactly. And we also don't want to use the Enneagram as a sword or a shield. So we don't right. want to use it as a sword where we're harming others, whether it's poking fun, belittling, shaming, criticizing, you name it, others. So, oh, you're being such a this number or, you know, all of those things. But we also don't want to use it as a shield where we're like, well, I'm a nine. So you're just going to have to deal with that. I procrastinate, you know, or some people might say, well, I'm a this number. So I can't do this kind of missionary work or God obviously didn't call me to do this. 
And that's not what we're talking about. Actually, in fact, it's the opposite. The more you're doing your work, the more you're actually going against what your personality is desperately trying to get you to do. So, for instance, as a type nine, and I know we haven't gotten into all the types. So, yeah, probably you should say your type and I should say my type because people are going to message me later. (laughs) Be like, what What are you? Okay, so we'll just come out with it now. Yeah. And, and they probably listen to Suzanne's podcast with you. And so they can get to know a little bit more, but I'm a type nine with an eight wing, which that's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but so that's a peaceful mediator that has a lot of the protective challenger in it. So it's like two opposites inside me <laughs> kind yeah. of battling it out, but the peaceful mediator usually wins out. And so, you know, if I were to be, cause I want to avoid conflict. I just want peace and harmony. I'll merge with others, go along to get along. Um, so that can seem really like kind and peaceable and all these things, but it's at the expense of my own self. And that can look really nice, but is it really nice? You know, is it really loving to not assert myself, to not know myself, to not participate in relationship equally? And so what we have to realize is that my growth path in all of our growth paths is really hard. So by me growing, I need to assert myself more. I need to have confidence in how God designed me. I need to say what I want or what I think my calling is and move forward into it. And for every nine out there, they're like, oh, that sounds terrible, you know, because <laughs> the inner hard wiring of a nine says, don't assert yourself. Because if we assert ourselves and say what we want, well, if someone else doesn't want us to want that or they don't want that, that brings tension or conflict or discord. And so we will immediately back up and either submit or become passive or go along because we're trying to keep the peace and harmony. So growth for me is pushing forward, going for something that I think God has called me to, but it is extremely, extremely hard. But that's where we see the Holy Spirit show up and to give us strength when we surrender and depend on him to work in and through us to be more like Christ. That's so good. Okay. So I'm a four wing three. So that's different, very different from you. Yeah. What's on you yes. challenges and yes. areas of growth. Yes. And that's the thing is that every personality type on the Enneagram has been designed by God to uniquely reflect him and his glory. At the same time, we are on the side of heaven and there's the fall and there is sin and there is trouble and heartache. And so when we are living like we talked about in alignment with the truth of the gospel, we're going to reflect Christ in absolute beautiful ways that are unique for our type. But when we are misaligned or out of alignment, we are going to bring trouble, frustration, harm to ourselves and to others around us. And so there's no one type that's better and there's no one type that is worse. So we just really want to focus on seeing Christ resting in the truth of the gospel and living out our true identity in Christ. And it's there that we will not only find blessings for ourselves, but it will also bless others and glorify him. And if y'all are listening and you're like nine, eight, three, four wings, what are y'all talking about? (laughs) Beth has on her site. If you go to your Enneagram coach.com, right? Yep. That's it. There's a little button and it says to take a free test. And I know Some people are like, oh, don't take a test. Well, I think that this could be a good guide to help you narrow in. And if if the results don't resonate at all, you can, of course, go another route. But I think that it's super helpful in sorting through that motivation. And 
Beth, you'd said a nine's going to struggle the most in figuring out themselves as that type. Yeah. Nines and sixes have a hard time. Nines because we have an internal fog. We don't know ourselves well because we've merged so much with others and we see others' viewpoints just as equally, if not more than our own view. Um, So that can be really hard for nines. And then sixes are two sides to a coin. And so they'll say, well, it depends. So if they're trying to answer questions, it's like, well, it depends. And so it can be hard for them. So yeah, use my test or other tests only as a guide, not as the definitive word on your personality type. And in fact, when you take our test, we've heard really great things. It's a new updated version. We've heard great things about the accuracy of it from everyone. But when you get it, you want to focus in on the core motivations. So when you're trying to find your type, whether through a test, reading a book, you want to look at the core motivations of each and every type, which is the core fear where you're running away from or trying to prevent the core desire. What are you trying to always obtain the core weakness? And this is also called the passion or the deadly sin by other teachers. That is the thing that's constantly tripping you up, the thorn in your side, your Achilles heel, the the thing that shows you, you absolutely need to depend on Christ. And then the core longing, the message your heart has always longed to hear. Those are what motivates, which pushes you towards doing, thinking, and feeling in particular ways. And so when you take my test and you answer, um, it will show you all nine types and where you scored. And you can click on any of those links to read more about that type. And that's what I would suggest is reading about the type, seeing what the core motivations are, getting a glimpse into each of the nine types worlds, not to just rest on the top score like, oh, I guess that's me. Because if you don't know yourself very well in your internal world, you're not going to accurately um, answer the questions well, which means your results could be skewed. So by looking at why each of the types do what they do and then coming to a conclusion yourself is going to be really beneficial. And I have found as I've gotten to know myself an additional benefit and maybe the main motivator for continuing to do work is how it's helped my relationships with my spouse, with my kids, with my parents, uh, other extended family, that it allows me to give them a little more grace where I used to just be annoyed with certain behaviors or motivations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I love about the new book you guys have have out on how the Enneagram and the gospel impact marriage. And I know there are moms listening. I remember back when my kids were little, I'm sure you remember when your kids were little, just the stress that having young kids, that role that plays on the marriage and how we know, like you have a 21 year old that they eventually do move away or grow up or go off. And the marriage core, it's, it's hard. We know we should be spending a lot of time on our marriage, but it's hard to put attention to it because we're tired and we're stressed and the, the parenting decisions and the discipline and the consequences just causes to divide instead of unite. And so give us a little glimpse into how you've seen the Enneagram help your marriage and marriages that you've coached. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really been absolutely a game changer. Again, back to rule number one, (laughs) the Enneagram is just a tool. The gospel is a transformation. And that's really absolutely important. You'll see in my book, that is the theme. That's the theme of everything we do. But What we want people to realize is just like a flashlight illuminates what's going on. If you go into a dark room, like I know a lot of times we feel like that in our marriage, like, 
why are we stumbling around in this dark? Like, I can't see you and I'm stumbling, I'm frustrated. But if we can have a flashlight that lets us know more clearly why they do what they do and why we do what we do, it gives us compassion and grace and understanding. So think about each of the nine types wearing a pair of sunglasses, but each of the nine types have a different lens, a different color lens. So red, blue, purple, you name it. So my husband is a type six on the Enneagram, the loyal guardian, and I'm a type nine, the peaceful mediator. So it's like he's wearing orange glasses and I'm wearing purple glasses, we'll say. And when we look at the same circumstance and he doesn't do what I think he should do or say what I think he should say, I can get very irritated because I think everyone sees the world through purple lenses. And it's like, why did you just do that? You must have meant to hurt me or you must have meant to do this. And that's when we assume incorrectly other people's thoughts, motives, behaviors, and because we think it should be like ours. And that's what we call a suicide, <laughs> where we incorrectly assume other people's motives and we get frustrated and we end up hurting. And eventually we can destroy our relationship when we incorrectly assume. And so recognizing, oh, I do that. Then what we want to do is recognize, oh, wait, I wear purple lens, but there are eight other ways of seeing the same reality. Hmm. Let me see how my husband saw that. So we want to ask clarifying questions. We want to give clarifying statements. So we want to talk about the situation kind of in between us versus at each other. Like, hey, that kind of landed on me this way, or I, or I saw that situation from this angle and I would have done it this way, but I see you went about that way, which in fact kind of irritates me, but I want to hear why you did what you did so that I can understand it from your perspective versus assuming you should have done it just from my perspective. Now that takes years and years and years of practice. So no people, when you jump into this book or anything else, it's not like poof, all of a sudden your marriage is like perfect. <laughs> this is taking baby step to baby step, owning our own stuff, asking for forgiveness, whether with people themselves and God and bringing in reconciliation and bringing the knowledge of why we did what we did, whether even if it was obviously not correct or good, like, Hey, I got irritated because of this, not as an excuse member, not as a shield, but as an awareness factor and also to help them to know how to communicate or to relate to us differently the next time so that maybe it will go more smoothly the next time. Now, this takes a lot of practice, but it's super helpful when you understand why each of you are doing things your particular way, because we can give so much more compassion and empathy and understanding, mercy, and like hopefully forgiveness and reconciliation um, will come much more easily with that. I'm grateful we can produce this podcast thanks to sponsors like FabFitFun. And maybe your Facebook and Instagram feeds are full of celebrities unboxing their fall box and your attitude's a little bit like, that looks fun. But man, financially, that is not an option for our family. Well, I have a fantastic idea for you. Why don't you get a group of girlfriends to pitch in and get the boxes together? That way you'd have a guaranteed four times a year that you're getting together with a girl's night or maybe meeting at the park to unbox your box and then to split up all the goodies. Everything in the box is valued at over $200. You can make it even more fun and do like a white elephant exchange or something like that. 
Go check it out at VabFitFun.com. And for your first box, you could get $10 off with the code DMA10. I think it's a great way to get your girlfriends together. Don't FabFitFun alone. <laughs> Go to VabFitFun.com. Use that code DMA10. All right, let's get back to my chat with Beth. Here we go. So many good things that we desire for our marriage. And I feel like where sometimes we get stuck is maybe the wife or the husband is really bought in. And they're like, yes, this Enneagram thing has helped me so much. I think it would really benefit our our marriage. And the other spouse is like, that's dumb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not doing that. I don't care what number I am. What have you found helps or is something helpful to say in those situations? Or can it simply be you just do the work on your end and maybe if they see the change in you? I mean, what would, what would you say to the person in that situation? Absolutely. Yeah, that it's actually probably more common than not. Usually, you know, it's just like anything we do in our marriage, right? It's like one of us gets excited about it and the other one's like, eh, yeah, you go for it, you know? <laughs> um, and so with this, what no matter if your spouse has jumped in with you or not, the Enneagram is at first and foremost, your own personal work. You know, we cannot change our spouse. I know we've all tried, (laughs) as you can see, it doesn't work. And so when we recognize I need to focus on my own heart, my heart's condition, my heart's motivations, because God cares about the inward, right? Not just the outward behavior. So I need to focus on my own heart and grow and come into alignment with the gospel. Your spouse will see that and it will bless your relationship. So even if they're not wanting to do it, whether forever or just for a season, it's still all about you coming in alignment with the truth of gospel. And that will bless yourself, your relationships, your relationship with God. And so a lot of times what we do find is that spouses are like intrigued, like, wow, you are so different. Or now you react differently to that same situation. What's going on? And of course, you can like let them know, well, I can see Christ is is allowing me to understand my heart better. And he's giving me tools and resources to come in alignment with him. And so that's what I'm doing. And they might be like, cool, let me join with you. Or they might be like, oh, okay, cool. You know, but you can still continue to do your own work. And yeah, of course, do we want our spouses to jump in with us on pretty much everything? Sure. But that doesn't mean that they're not loving us. It could just be their own bent, the timing God, because if God wants your spouse to be all in with you, he'll do it. And if God wants your spouse to be transformed in a very specific way, because I know like we all have our thoughts of, oh, if our spouse could just be like this, I'm going to change them to be that. Well, if God wanted them there, he would have had them there by now. And so God has his own timing. And that's where we can just rest in the assurance and the sovereignty that he has a good plan. And just say, Lord, I love my husband or wife. Will you work in them? And I'm going to come over here and work on me and focus on you. And I will trust that you're doing your process in them. And he is. Uh, that's super hard. And I could probably be like, oh, that's easy for you to say, Beth. You know, you're the one that wrote the book. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've been using the Enneagram since 2001. And I had those same thoughts and prayers. Like, I can actually remember myself on a treadmill, probably in the early 2000s, desiring Jeff to be different. And then just having that epiphany, like, oh, wait, if God wanted him to be at that place now, he would be there. So I have to trust God with where he is today. Now, that doesn't say where Jeff was, was good and right. It's that I need to trust God, that he has a plan and a purpose for Jeff and for me in our 
growth process. And that's so hard, but it is what's really good. So you prayed that prayer on the treadmill. How long until you saw God move? Because some of it, I mean, I know women, they are waiting and it has been a good 10 years to see. Mm. Um, and we're not just talking about they're aware of what their Enneagram number is. I mean, they're waiting on God to <laughs> move and right. make himself known to their spouse in a salvation way. But even for hope, like it wasn't the next day that that happened for you. Oh, gosh, no. No. Mm-hmm. no and, and in fact, it's, you know, there's still things that, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, you know, here's something else, you know, so there's always something that we're desiring and hoping for our spouse and ourselves because yeah. we're on this side of heaven. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like our core weakness that I talked about being our Achilles heel or the thorn in our side. It reminds us that we need to surrender and depend to him. Like we don't arrive. We don't get there. That there's always a, a day and a month that we will need Christ completely and our spouse will need Christ completely. I think what helps, though, with um, using the Enneagram is that I can now see why my husband, like his Achilles heel, his struggles. And I can recognize, you know what? He's never going to get over that until heaven, you know, mm. and now he can grow in it and it can get better. But for instance, as the type six, the loyal guardian, they struggle with anxiety. Now all types can have anxiety. Their anxiety has to do with constantly surveying what could happen and thinking of all the possibilities to prevent worst case scenarios from happening. Now, of course, everyone doesn't want worst case scenarios, but that's the mindset as a six. At any given moment, he is thinking through probably 10 to 50 different possibilities of the same situation from different angles. I don't think that way at all. Now I can, especially in, well, this gets into layers. We don't want to confuse people, but um, (laughs) (laughs) me going into stress, but it's not the same as him. And so when I see him, his mind racing with all the possibilities as a nine, who's easygoing and like, Hey, everything's going to work out. Don't worry. You know, I could be like praying that God would make him like me, <laughs> just relax, just chill. Don't worry about it. Right. Well, if I keep praying that same prayer for him, it's never going to happen to the way that I think it should because he's not been designed that way. And he experiences the fall differently than me. And God uses that to bring him closer to Christ. And so, yes, do I want to pray for those things that he will continue to grow and trust and have peace in his heart? Absolutely. But I also can like not have unrealistic expectations. I can have more compassion and empathy and grace for the things that I know he'll struggle with more because his struggles aren't my struggles. My struggles are very different. And I want him to have the same kind of compassion, understanding and spurring each other on the way we spur each other on is going to be different. And it's just a really beautiful thing when we can finally take off our sunglasses with our lenses and say, can I see the world through your lens? Will you tell me about it or read about it and understand your spouse from a completely different perspective? And that is when things change. And I think it's good to not just study your number, but study all the numbers, like you said, because we gain, like, like I said, extended family, we're getting up on the holidays here. You're going to be with people that rub (laughs) you the wrong way. And I found like, I just, for the ones who may be judging or... Um, expecting perfect and you're just a little frustrated with it, you can have more compassion because of that inner critic voice they have in their head 
Or the threes, they just won't stop and they just keep going and going and you want them to rest. And just having compassion for whatever that motivator is that's hard, I think is helpful. And also, I don't know, it just, I think it, it bonds you together a little bit more. It doesn't even have to be things that you say out loud. You know, anytime you meet someone and maybe they've rubbed you the wrong way in some interaction, but you learn a little bit more of their story, their childhood, where they're coming from, I always find that I have a little more grace for that person. And so, I don't know, I think giving this framework, the more I've learned about all the numbers helps me recognize, oh, not everyone sees scenarios the same way I do. And so... Yeah. That is why that bothers that person so much. They are an eight and they're looking for justice. And of course, they're going to call it out and they're going to be a little bit more brash in that conversation because this really matters to them. And so absolutely, I may not even know that that's their number, but I think just the awareness that other people can be different than you is a beginning to us being more a body of Christ instead of allowing the enemy to divide us. Absolutely. And no one has a pass. So like I said earlier, we all have great struggles and weaknesses and we all need Christ. But this gives you, like you said, an idea of compassion of like, you know what? Yeah, they might be like, let's say the two. Yeah, they might be super helpful. And they at the Thanksgiving might look like, oh, they're helping everyone. They're so selfless. And like, so you're comparing like, oh, they're better than me, you know, or whatever it is. But they have real struggles. They are fearing rejection. They're fearing that no one will need them and that they'll be uh, dispensed. Like, oh, I don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to show that they are helpful because of their great fear. And so now you can walk into that situation and go, oh, well, maybe they're doing all this. I mean, it could be because they're just living in a very healthy moment and they're giving not to get, but a lot of times when twos aren't doing well, they're giving to get appreciation, love, and to know they're wanted. And so to have compassion, like, wow, they might be teetering on this feeling that they're going to be rejected at any moment, or maybe they feel like they are being rejected. And so that's where this is coming from. And so it gives us just this different sense of reality where we're not comparing anymore. A lot of times we compare and really what comparison does is it pushes relationships away in two different directions. Either you're comparing someone that you think is better than you, like, oh, they're so much better. I should be like them. Well, what you're doing is you're pushing them away from you, but up, you know, kind of like on a pedestal or you're looking down at someone and thinking, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them or they have that struggle but you're pushing them away and down. Either way, you're pushing people out of your life when you compare. But with the Enneagram, you can see that we all struggle. We all need Jesus. It's just we need it in different ways. And he makes us more like him in different ways as well. And so it's called the body of Christ. We reflect Christ differently, but we need that difference because we shouldn't all be the head or the heart or the foot. We all need to bring our uniqueness to glorify him and bless each other. So good. And each combination. So like Beth was saying, she's a nine married to a six, or I'm a four married to a three. They each have their own struggles as a unit and you can't compare our marriage to another marriage because they could look like they have it all together, but we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, behind closed doors. And Beth has a great tool available on their Becoming Us website. Is that one becomingus.com? Yep. Becomingus.com. You can go to that and you can get a personalized marriage plan. Is that what it's called? Yep. 
Yep, it's personalized marriage plan. And it's basically an assessment, whether you both take it or just one of you. And it has the instructions. And basically, it's just mirroring back how you feel things are going with communication, conflict, uh, becoming your best selves, family of origin, different topics. So it's going to reflect back to how you both feel your feeling, unless it's just one of you that takes it. But then we're going to give you a lot of information on what it looks like when you both are, let's say, struggling or doing well with communication for your type, what you're like when you're in conflict for your type. So you guys can start to really see the dynamics between the two of you. Now, if someone's like, oh, that's so good. And it's free. Um, I was going to say, it's free, y'all. Just go. This is a great resource to help your marriage, no matter where you are um, on the scale. Absolutely. Health or unhealth. Yeah. But then we have a Becoming Us online course, and this is actually where I take you super deep dive into your two types specifically. So I created 45 courses specifically for each type with eight modules. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through what we call the dance. So how do you guys interact together in conflict, communication, family of origin. And it's so specific that you literally will think I have been watching you like from like secret cameras. <laughs> like you're reading our journal or yeah, you're yes. our fights or yeah, that's crazy. But it's not to reveal your struggles only, though I'm very, you know, like, hey, this is what it's going to be like when you guys are struggling. But it's to show you the hope of a transformed life in Christ together and how to do that. So we are very specific for your relationship. So a lot of people will ask me like, Beth, what about our relationship? And it's like, obviously, I don't have the time to talk to 45 different couple types in a day or in a podcast. So we took the time to really navigate and guide each couple type in the direction that is most healthiest for them. Again, like you said, not for your neighbor or not for your best friend's relationship, but for yours. And so if that's something that's interesting to you, going to becomingus.com, you can kind of see the course that we have available there. So cool. I think that's amazing. Such a great resource. My one last question before we have to get off is I've kind of noticed that people marry a type that they're either connected to through the health unhealth lines, you know, like how a nine goes to a six or next to each other. Has that, have you found that to be true or is this just anecdotal and I'm noticing it? You know, I think in some ways it, there's probably some truth to that, but we don't see it as a definitive, like, oh yeah, that's totally how it goes. Um, I see a lot of twos with fives oh, and they're not connected. I, I see a ton of fours and nines and fours and sixes, they're not connected. I see nines with every type because every type. You can see the view of every type, right? So yes. And nines give space for all the other types to be them. And I think a lot of types really enjoy that. And nines just kind of go along to get along with your relationship. And so you just, you see nines with pretty much, you know, any of the types, that's for sure. So anyway. So my theory is wrong completely. No, <laughs> It's fine. Yeah, I've just always wanted to ask someone but, who studies it. I'm like, is yeah. this true or is this just a couple cases? Well, I mean, if you think about it, we are connected to four types. Our wings, which are the two members on either side, it gets where, yeah, I mean, that there is truth to that just because it, it will be that way. And, you know, like my husband and I are connected to, you know, by one of the lines, as nine and six. And it does mean that we have certain attributes that we share. 
And so in some ways, yeah, that's really beneficial and helpful. It's not as much opposites attract, right? It, there's some similarities, but then there's some things in us that are very different at the same time. And there's no right or wrong relationship. I mean, doing the 45 courses, I can guarantee you there is not a type combination that is better or worse. Any two types that are surrendering and depending on the grace of God through Christ's work on the cross on our behalf will be a blessing to one another and to others. They will thrive, they will grow, and they will struggle, but they'll do it together while seeing Christ. But any couple type that is for their own gain, focusing on themselves and not others and not keeping their eyes fixed on Christ are going to struggle immensely. It will look radically different. Two nines together and two eights together, two fours together, or an eight and a four or a six and a nine. I don't care what couple type it is. If they're not fixated on Christ and focused on the grace of God for one another and themselves, they're going to struggle. And so no one gets a pass, but everyone gets the grace of Christ. I think that's really helpful for anyone who thinks, well, we're just having a hard marriage because we're just so different or we're just so similar or whatever, just to know that no one is too far from the reach of the transforming power of Christ in their lives. And even if one half of the couple is not pursuing Christ wholly, that person is loved by and cared for more than you ever could love them by God. God cares about them. He has them on their own unique journey and he can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. He can do that in ways beyond our understanding or beyond anything we could imagine. He can do that. So don't lose hope if you feel like you are the only couple and God can't transform you. We believe that he can. We've seen it, right? We've seen it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what they'll find, especially with the, with getting the book, Becoming Us, is the first part of the book. So the first uh, eight, nine chapters are about how to do this in your marriage. You know, how to have better communication, conflict, um, becoming your best selves. That is going to be a very helpful insight and growth uh, for you. The back half of the book is a kind of a reference guide. We call it a roadmap where there are six pages for each type and there are four pages on understanding me. So if I'm in the type nine section, understanding me. So I read that. And then there's two pages that are understanding them. And these are all bullet points. So they're really pithy, great insights to the types on understanding what they're like in conflict, how to relate to them better, how to love them better, how to affirm them, what their behaviors are like when they're struggling, all, all these really helpful insights. But there's, again, four pages for understanding yourself and then two pages for understanding them. So like Jeff would read those two pages on understanding the type nine. Now, of course, you could read all six pages and that it would be beneficial, but it just helps to put it in the vocabulary of the first person or the third person um, so that the person can go, oh, this makes so much more sense on how to relate to you. That's awesome. Beth, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for the time you took to make the 45, I mean, that's amazing. That's a lot of time. <laughs> and to write this book. And uh, we are praying over you and Jeff and your marriage as you go forward in this. And just thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I went back and I took the Your Enneagram Coach test. And it did confirm that I was a four and a two was second. 
to the fore. Um, I did fill out the marriage plan and it was fantastic. Bruce filled it out too and it's super helpful. Um, But I get that not all marriages are at a place where your spouse wants to fill something like that out. So I want to pray over us and in the place that you're in. Lord, I come before you and I know uh, marriage is a tender topic for so many, whether they are dealing with sadness and grief and guilt or shame over a broken marriage or one that is not well. It is not healthy, Lord. It is not where you desire it to be. And they're sitting in that place of not being able to change that other person and not being able to draw them to the truth of the gospel. Only you can do that. God, I pray that you would fill the person listening who's in that place with just a peace and a confidence to know that you love their spouse more than they ever could and that you are doing the best you can to woo them to the gospel. I pray that they would get on their knees and pray for their spouse, as I'm sure they already have. I pray that they would do their best to work on themselves and becoming the most healthy version of themselves based on the truth of the gospel and who you say they are so that they can love their spouse from that place with the unconditional love that you extend to us with the mercy and the grace and the compassion that you pour out over us that we can then show that to our spouses in whatever season they're in, whatever stress they're experiencing, whatever um, grief or depression or anxiety that they're walking through, that we can be your grace to them, your love to them. And so that our kids can see that even when we walk through the hardest seasons of life, we can be those who walk alongside each other, pointing each other back to the truth of the gospel uh, in a way that draws them more in and doesn't cause them to reject you even more. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. I know this is a little bit longer one. I hope you do check out the show notes. There's lots of great links there over at don'tmomalone.com. And I think that's it. All right, have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3:17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.